0: Welcome to another episode of Fresno's Best Podcast. Today we have Rabbi Rick Weiner on. We talk about a lot of different things, including the history of Jews in Fresno, uh, anti-Semitism, and how interfaith dialogue is ultimately the way that we make progress in our society. I hope you enjoy this podcast, and remember to subscribe, like, and review our podcast so more people Uh, We'll get to hear these amazing guests that I have on. Let's go meet Rabbi Rick. So where do you like to eat in Fresno?
1: So for us, our favorite go to is tacos. Um, And there are a lot of good choices. So, you know, nearby us, we've got now a um, a truck, technically a trailer um, uh, El Pinto at uh, Shaw and um, West. Um, that Now, it's not my favorite place, but the restaurants are not the ideal location at the moment. Um, right. You know, I love Tacos Tijuana and Ventura, El Mexicano and Fowler. We, of course, learned about these through the taco truck throwdowns at, uh, at, ah. at the Grizzly Games. Because, um, I mean, that's just epic for those of us who like tacos. And you can't get better tacos anywhere than in Fresno. Fresno has, you know, tacos that can beat the world.
0: So talk to me about what kind of tacos you like to order and how you like them. Cause some people, some people are kind of purists. They like just the onions and the cilantro and maybe a little bit of salsa verde, a little green sauce on top. Um, and then there's the rest of us that think that you should pile everything in the kitchen on top of it, where it almost becomes this like delivery device for a Mexican style pizza. So I just pile the sour cream on. I go, I go wild. Where, where, where are you at on that spectrum?
1: I'm a taco purist, except for the places that have their special taco that they put together themselves. So a lot of places have a fish taco that, um, you know, grilled fish and they put their own special sauce on it. And we'll go with that. We had for an event out at the temple, we had Pavarello House come out. And uh, they did tacos for us and they did three different types. It's been a while now. And so I don't remember exactly what they did. There was like a, um, it wasn't Aztec chicken, but it was something like that. Um, And so, so I like to go with the pure, you know, let's not dump it all on. When we make taco night at home, then I just don't even bother with the tortilla most of the time. And I just make a salad out of all the same flavors.
0: That makes sense. Now... I also know, because you told me, that you may or may not like donuts and have some opinions about donuts in Fresno. Now, donuts for me, you know, it's a very important subject, Um, the process.
1: and, And you've spent time in the Southland, so we're all mourning the loss of Stan's Donuts in Westwood.
0: Yes. Yes. It's not something I like to talk about out loud, but it is, you know, it is a silent grieving I'm doing internally. And I, but you know, I, so are you, and this is kind of a similar subject because there's kind of the traditional donut and then there's this new nouveau donut that's like got, you know, fruity pebbles on it. I'm thinking of like donut fantasy, uh, you know, and that, and then there's this whole other category of cronuts um, but where where are you at? What's your taste and preferences?
1: Um, I cannot get better than a chocolate old fashioned. Okay. Uh it, it, a good classic workhorse donut <clears throat> where we lived before we had a 24-hour donut shop that had just amazing donuts. Um I have it, it, so we have a, a, a nice little place we like here. Um best donuts, you know, best podcast, best donuts <laughs> on um yep. on Blackstone. The woman who runs it is just sweet and nice and they're they're fine, they're good. Um but having, you know, Stands are are in Westwood. Are, were they're gone now? Were fancy, but not that nouveau stuff that um, uh, I've I've always been disappointed. Uh, um, you know it looks like oh that might be interesting, but if you can't pull off the platform, the basic donut. Um, I actually, I grew up um, in an ice skating rink. My sister was a competitive ice skater and so she would be there at four o'clock in the morning and there were times for whatever reason that I went along and uh, and the donuts were coming fresh out of the, the, the however they make them, um, in, um, in the donut shop in Sun Valley Mall in Concord, California. Um, uh, across just the food court from the ice skating rink and that probably is what set me on my way to good just
0: working horse donuts and i i appreciate that perspective completely i'm i'm very uh let's see what's the word correct word for today i'm very ecumenical with my donut consumption i'm willing to appreciate each donut for who it is um, now i have a question because you said earlier when we were before we started, that you'd been in the San Gabriel Valley a little bit. What are your opinions on Donut Man? Have you had Donut Man? So since I was about six years old,
1: I have not spent a whole lot of time out there. I lived there from age like um, uh, four, five, six, uh, Mm -hmm. maybe four, five. Um, Mm -hmm. And then when I go out, I would... um, be visiting family and it was, and, and donuts were not on the menu. I remember this old smorgasbord at Griswold's that my aunt and uncle used to always take us to. And of course, I'm sure it's long gone. Um, But I did not do a lot of donut consumption out there.
0: You know, and it's, it's an interesting place. I'm, I'm sure you've heard of it. It is what they do is they have this large, I mean it's just it looks like a mouth that opens up and they stuff strawberries whole strawberries that they dip in strawberry glaze inside of this shell this bread shell and it becomes almost an experience where you're eating strawberries as much of a donut and I've always I mean I'm op- I'm open to trying new things and I I do enjoy it but for me it's not a donut it feels like some kind of pastry and so I'm 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 on your team with this ultimately Exactly. Except for one thing, where I yes. think we, we might disagree. I am obsessed with cronuts. The croissant donut, I think, is the best innovation that's happened to donuts.
1: I would Do try it. I would try it. I have not tried it. Um, uh, as you described it, 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 it you know, and most bagels that we eat today, and this is serious in the Jewish community, are not bagels. They're round bagel-shaped pastries. Um, a bagel is hard and crusty and uh, the bagels that you find um, here in Fresno and, and various other places are just, it, it's like what you're describing, you called it a cronut. Um, uh, and, and okay, if you don't want to call it a donut, that's that's fine, that's safe. Because it's not. <laughs> yes, um, You know, right. a donut is a donut, and it doesn't need to be fancy, it just
0: needs to be good. Okay, well, since you've opened up this can, uh, we're going to follow it for a second. So, Have I never had, I mean, because most of the the bagels I've had in my life, I mean, so I'm thinking about when when I lived for a time in San Francisco, I would go to my local like little coffee bar area and I would get a bagel with lox and it would be relatively chewy with some cream cheese. Was I not really eating a bagel at that moment?
1: In San Francisco, in the Bay Area, you can get bagels. Okay, um, but it should be. Cr- are you saying it should be crispy? It's not crispy. You you said chewy. Yeah, it's kind of chewy. Um, they're they're hard and chewy. They are not a soft experience. And uh, and okay, and I that's understand. kind of you know the history of Judaism with what we've been through for centuries. We've got a bit of a crust.
0: Okay, you know because I, I <laughs> is there any place in Fresno that does a decent bagel in your mind? I've heard
1: that Fresno bagels, um, and when I got there, um, I I went to try it one day, and I walked in in the afternoon, um, which is never the best time, but I'm not a morning person. And what was there was the non-bagel bagel bagel flavors. So a real bagel aficionado does not eat strawberry bagels and sun-dried tomato bagels and that kind of stuff. No, no, no that's just wrong. It's not a bagel. Um, There are a variety of flavors that are fair game. Me, I love pumpernickel and egg, but plain, which is known as the water bagel, um, onion, um, things like that. Those are the classic bagel flavors. But when you start putting um, avocado in it or whatever, no, no, no. I love my California cuisine because I'm born and raised in California. I don't know from New York, Um, New York Jews tell us that we don't know Judaism and, (laughs) and, and, and I get it that there's a very particular brand of, um, food cuisine Judaism that comes out of New York, which is very different than California Judaism. And with that, you get the classic bagels and you get deli. Um, there is no, I mean, um, to be fair to my friend, Uh, Reza and his family who helped develop Deli Delicious, those are nice sandwiches, but when I think deli, it's a very different experience. For me, um, back down to Los Angeles, Cantor's in Fairfax,
0: that's a deli. So you think, I mean, bagels, are bagels kind of a metaphor between California Jews and New York Jews? I mean, is that a fair comparison? There's a really particular way of doing it, whereas in California you know, you can kind of, you can add strawberries occasionally, or is that, is that, is that a You can, but it's not Jewish.
1: Okay. Okay. uh, Yeah, no, I mean, there's, there's Judaism that holds us together. Um, You know, that which uh, it's like the gluten that binds the flour together. And then there are things that are just outside of the realm of Judaism and a sun-dried tomato bagel is just not Jewish. It, and even you can like it, that's fine, but you have to understand that you're stepping out of Jewish culture when you do that. And you know, and I'm making um, horrible general generalizations that are probably not fair to some of my Jewish friends, um, but tough.
0: You know, I mean, we all have to stand somewhere, right? We all have a rock that we stand on. And I, you know, let me just ask you this one question so I can maybe feel a little bit superior to some people. Would you classify an everything bagel as being okay and meets the standard Uh,
1: personally i'm good with the everything bagel it's really similar to the onion bagel so it's got a lot of flavors that Mm -hmm. are normal within the normal realm of bagel um uh it you know it does not have strawberries in it it does not have sun-dried tomatoes in it um so it's it, it still tastes jewish
0: I Whatever think that everyone means. that's listening has learned so much in these last 15 minutes that they're going to take with them for a long time. Um, but you know, speaking of Bay Area bagels, um, so I'm, I'm a reader of, uh, of the Bible as well. And one of the themes that uh, comes up quite a bit, um, at least what my tradition is, returned the Old Testament, um, is the theme of exile. Um, when the people were taken out of their homeland and taken somewhere else, somewhere that wasn't familiar. Um, now I know that you were, uh, you were working, uh, in the Bay area and then transplanted or relocated to, uh, Fresno, which is, you know, we can talk about the differences and similarities, but do you personally feel like you're in a little bit of an exile? Absolutely not. Not at all
1: okay um, tongue in uh, cheek of uh, course sport. tongue
0: in cheek of course
1: in in both senses in both senses it 's interesting because um Uh, Not really long after I I got here, I was in another Central Valley um, Jewish community, a teeny, teeny one, where I had a connection there, and they asked me to come in and do a baby naming. And the locals from that community, where they have a teeny little congregation, um, said, how do we get someone? How do we get a a rabbi here? And I realized that you have to have somebody who wants to be there, Um, because most people who look at Fresno um, out of the Jewish community— um, do not want to be here. And in fact, that was the hardest part for me about getting the job. Fresnans, long time born and raised Fresnans said, what is wrong with you that you would want to come here? <laughs> now, right? So, mm-hmm. um, so I'm born and raised in California, but I'm not from areas where there are a lot of Jews. So there, yes, there are a lot of Jews in the Bay Area, but when you get out to Concord, where I grew up, or Livermore, where I worked for many years. Um, the, the common reaction of other Jews was, they have Jews there? Um, not a lot, very low percentage, but yes. And now the added thing that helps for me here in Fresno is my wife's from Los Angeles, I'm from the Bay Area, baseball season is horrifying in our home Uh, um we love the grizzlies it's neutral territory there you go um our families will meet here in fresno um so it's we are you know from north south perspective a mixed marriage Mm -hmm. um and Mm -hmm. uh so fresno is is a wonderful place and then as as we'll talk more um Certain aspects of what I've found here have made it so amazing. And, and uh, you
0: know, a lot has to do with my interfaith colleagues. What, what do you think? I mean, to just kind of what was the what was the thing maybe that you gained in moving here? Um, and what is maybe something that you lost in your transition here?
1: well I lost proximity to my family so I was yeah. very close um, uh, geographically with uh, and and I am still very close with with my family my parents um, live in the same home I came home from the hospital too um, we moved around a little bit but we always had that house um, and came back to it and they're there uh, my sister is there my my in-laws who I'm also very close with are in LA but you know highway 5 doesn't take long to get Um, Down, So it's not a big deal. So really family. um, uh, But there's there's not a whole lot else that I feel like I lost in coming here. And what I had gained was was so voluminous. Um, Fresno has serious difficulties. And for those of us who got into this work, because we believe in making the world a better place, it's a lot of material to work with. Um, So, the the phrase that came to me um, uh, not long after being here is, um, there isn't a rug big enough to sweep the problems under. (laughs) Um, So it's, you know, where I lived before, I was in a pretty privileged area and they could easily pretend that they didn't have the kinds of issues that drive people like me into social justice work, which is, to me, the key of religious work um fresno um uh you can't hide it and then um i had i had really been drawn to interfaith and in the bay area which is so um in liberal in in a way especially religiously liberal that i really appreciate i think we took it for granted mm-hmm. um oh i have no problem talking to them no problem talking to them no problem talking to them we didn't do it here where we cannot accomplish the work of uh, of positive change without banding together with others we do it and then it becomes um, not only um, gratifying and productive but it also becomes um, uh, um, a community in and of itself Um, so uh, there's a bunch of us in the interfaith clergy who are just really close and we really enjoy each other. And we also get to do productive work together.
0: Yeah. And I agree with you. I think that uh, definitely something you notice if you come from like a big liberal metropolis um, is that in, in a place like the Bay area, there are just as many problems, but it's hidden under this liberal malaise of like, we're good people and we're trying to do the right thing. And you know, these problem, you know, these problems can be solved if we just, you know, if we just in, love in that neighborhood know. that isn't mine. Yeah, yes, yeah, we Will exactly. help solve these problems,
1: I don't really want it in my neighborhood.
0: Right, and in LA it's the same thing. Like what do yeah. they do with all the homeless? They shove them into this tiny neighborhood, bus them out of the suburbs or whatever, and it's just this kind of like, I'm, I'm a good person, and I but I also don't want to see it. I don't want to see the problem. Whereas here it's, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's in your face, it's unavoidable, it can be really brash and violent, but you at least everyone knows it exists and acknowledges it um, and when people you know say things like that they won't go south of a certain street um, you know I mean they're at least <laughs> announcing the problem exactly. of segregation or whatever and that's there's some there's some uh, wonderfulness in the honesty I think ultimately but but um, they have not experienced the best tacos it's true i mean if you if you just live live in your you know, local strip mall, you're going to get your local strip malls food and it's going to be fine. But yeah, I mean, it's, it it is sad. And I, I think that, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that the city is taking that turn towards togetherness and seeing these different pockets is like, these are cool places that are part of my city that I'm excited about. Exactly. Um, so let's talk about the city for a little bit. Um, I know just in familiarizing myself a little bit with the history of Fresno, Jews have been here for a long time, um, yes. since since nearly the beginning, if not the beginning. Since uh, the beginning and before, slightly so, before. So can, because um, I assume most of my listeners don't really know the Jewish history of Fresno. Can you kind of give us a little bit of a uh, an overview of uh, what you understand the history and the role of Jews in this community? What what
1: makes it easy to um, to outline is that it absolutely unquestionably follows the classic pattern of um, Jewish pioneering. Uh, And so, you know, we began Fresno began as a railroad stop Uh, and there was um, uh, it was primarily agricultural at that point. Um, But whenever you pioneer. Um, and especially in California, now this was not a Gold Rush territory, but whatever you do, um, you need uh, supplies. And, you know, young Jews tried their hand at Gold Rush and all those things as well, and they lost their shirt just like everybody else. Mm -hmm. But this guy up in the Bay Area realized that um, everybody who um, loses their shirt or their pants, in his case, um, needs another pair and they, they want a pair of pants that is going to be um, rugged and hardy. And so he, you know, put um, canvas denim together, riveted the, um, the pockets and um, Levi Strauss um, began um, a, a, a dynasty. Um, and in fact, some of the earliest Jews in Fresno had been with the Levi Strauss company. So when people are pioneering um, they need supplies, mercantilism. Um, and so a lot of the earliest Jews uh, were here as part of mercantilism. Um, they they would have, you know, the shops that supplied whatever you need. And we've been doing that for centuries and centuries in Europe before this. Um, uh, it, it, it helps to have, when you're in Trade It helps to have an international language. And so being able to communicate across countries um, when you're when you're sailing around the world and picking up supplies and things like that helps. Um, It was risky. Um, And 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 one of the reasons we were in pioneering areas is because uh, Jews um, were commonly barred from traditional ways of making a living. Um, In Europe, they couldn't own land um, for much of European history. Um, In America, if you wanted to get into certain trade schools, doctor, lawyer, all of those kinds of things, there were quotas or we were just outright not allowed. And so um, being um, uh, funneling into riskier um, ventures or the traditional mercantilism um, were just kind of part of what it was. So early on in Fresno, there were a lot of Jewish merchants. Um, and, and and today, I know some of their descendants. They are here. Um, we did have eventually, as, as there were more Jewish doctors and lawyers, there have been um, those here for a long time. Shortly after I got here, I started burying old doctors. They were dying off at that point. I remember um, Ted Steinberg, I think, was 103 or four, and, and he was one of the, this whole group who, every time I interviewed the family to hear about them, they would talk about how their family got frustrated long hours and they didn't charge people. People who couldn't afford it, they just didn't charge them. Um, that's what they did. Um, and you know, that's what you do in pioneering areas. You take care of people and it doesn't matter if they can pay you or not. And I've heard that story over and over. Um, and so we were part of the pioneering, um, of California in general, and also very much of Fresno.
0: Okay. So it it sounds like it started kind of with a a merchant class and move to more of a professional class in Fresno? Would you say that's kind of the narrative? And it's, has, the, has the population of Jews in Fresno, has it stayed pretty static or has it increased? Were there certain periods that you're familiar with?
1: Uh, it would always be considered a pretty small Jewish community Low density, um, not a lot. And with the university, we um, we added a bunch of like uh, professionals who are professors and such. So with the medical establishment, so in the last 50 years or so, you, you have a lot more Jewish doctors, you have a lot more Jewish professors. Um, and so there's that. But A lot is not a lot. Um, uh, This, when it comes to Jewish congregations, the Reform Synagogue here, which is where I work, is the largest um, of the Jewish communities here in Fresno. We have a teeny little conservative congregation. We have a teeny little ultra-Orthodox congregation. But even the Reform, which is the big one for the region, um, is considered a small congregation as far as American congregations go.
0: So... And what what would you say that kind of, I don't know, just based on your hunch, what is the percentage of Jews that are practicing um, in Fresno relative to ones that don't? I mean, do you get a sense that there is a population outside of your community? that's Absolutely uh, and always,
1: wherever you go. Yeah.
0: Um, The smaller the
1: town, generally the higher affiliation rate. Um, So when I was a student rabbi flying off to these teeny little um, communities where you had 50 families in the congregation, you would have probably 50 families who were not. Um, Here in Fresno, we have about 300 families in our congregation. Um, my guess is that are somewhere in the realm of a thousand families in the region. So not just Fresno City, but um, we're, you know, we're the, there's, there's a, a small um, teeny little congregation in Modesto and one in actually two in Visalia. Visalia is the classic. You have the one you go to and the one you wouldn't be caught dead in. And they're the same <laughs> denomination. Um, uh, I'm not sure if the second one is still around, but yeah. Um, so we're the, the largest in the region and it's still a very small percentage. Got it.
0: Okay. Well, I, um, I kind of want to make a transition to talking about what's been going on in the world and uh, get your uh, kind of response from, you know, in a lot of ways, a theological response. Um, so we've been going through kind of interrelated um, crises, crises. Um, you know, obviously the pandemic that we're all living through, uh, but also you know the the kind of uh, uprisings um, uh, in the past few months that have pointed out these deep-seated racial inequalities in our country. Um, and I'm just curious what um, what your response to these crises would be from kind of a, a theological perspective, like how you how you see them. Um, And, you know, related to that, um, what your traditions response would be to the suffering uh, that's been going on uh, in our country?
1: Right. Uh, You know, uh, with the onset of the pandemic, um, I've been really, really careful. Um, uh, And, uh, you know, I have elderly parents, my in-laws are elderly, and and we're trying to be able to connect with them. So we're, we're being very careful. Uh, when the the young um, adults from uh, Fresno State's NAACP um, put together the, the vigil protest um, uh, downtown, um, my wife and I, and my wife is a rabbi as well, um, we felt compelled to be there. Um, I could not um, show my face to my colleagues without having been out there to support that. Um, the Jewish community long, long has supported NAACP. We're, you know, not a hundred percent. There are Jews in all parts of the political spectrum, but um, when it comes to um, civil rights, um, equality, um, Jews have always been involved. Um, you know, we've been on the short end of it a lot, um, but we have the advantage of, um, being able to blend in with uh, the crowd around us, generally, if we so choose. You know, I'm i a classic white guy. If I didn't want to stand out, I don't have to. But our friends of color don't have that opportunity. And since we have been, I think it's the right thing to do regardless. But having been targeted as an oppressed minority for oh, I don't know, 2,000 years. Uh, mm-hmm. We um, were a bit sensitive to it. And uh, if you, um, again, you, you do it because it's the right thing. That's the bottom line. But there are also moments where how can you expect anyone to stand with you if you don't stand with them? Um, and I don't do it for my purpose. Um, uh, I, I do it because it's the right thing to do. Um, but I feel compelled and it's all throughout, uh, Torah, which is what we call, it. we don't call it old Testament cause we don't have a new Testament. So Hebrew right. Bible, Torah, um, you know, and I respect and appreciate the, um, the holy books of all traditions, especially when we focus most heavily on the things that bring us together and the things that, um, improve our world. Um, and you know, I know every tradition has problematic, um, uh, pieces and roots and things that are written. And there just isn't enough time to do everything. So if I simply spend time on the positive and productive, it fills my time. Um, And and I'm not attached so much to the negative parts of tradition, whether it's mine or somebody else's tradition. If they're willing to look past the negative parts of their tradition, I'm certainly willing to look past Theirs as well as mine, and let's move forward together
0: yeah i I agree completely I think we've spent we've spent quite a few years focused on the negative <laughs> you know there's been a there's been a lot of a lot of work i mean I can only speak from my tradition um Christians have spent a long time working on these quote apologetics you know which is their you know the the defense of their faith, and I think um I think other people's humanity often gets lost in that. Um, and, you know, obviously the, the deep relationship that my tradition has with yours, you know, sharing books um, is something that needs to be acknowledged. And, Absolutely. Uh, and so, I yeah, I, I completely agree. And I, I think um, to come back to the, the suffering point for a moment, I think that our scriptures have so much to say, um and a lot of a lot of christians focus on you know obviously the new testament themes of uh, crucifixion in trying to understand suffering but is there is there specific uh places in the hebrew bible that you would point to as places for a better understanding of of suffering i mean a job comes to mind but you know i'm sure there's lots of
1: And, and we never spend time on job the term suffering i'll tell you you know it's not something i hear so much in the jewish context and and i think again because we've suffered for centuries and centuries um the way from the
0: romans to the (laughs) alt-right but we don't have to go there
1: right and so um so when i hear suffering when i hear the term suffering i usually assume i'm not in a jewish context anymore Okay. Um, you know, it's like, okay, get over it. Um, and, and I, and I don't mean to belittle the, the horrors and suffering, but you know, I have, I have books on how the Jewish community perpetuated humor in the horrors of the Holocaust. Um, so I, I think our sense of humor has helped as a coping mechanism. Yeah. Um, uh, and so, yeah, we're going to suffer. It's what we do. You know, the, the guilt between um, the it, and it. Oh, shoot, it happened just again. Um, we've been watching during um, uh, during pandemic. There's this Jewish geography zoom racing. It's this thing where the six degrees of separation, you put, they've got, they'll, they'll pull two Jews onto the screen, and then how long it takes for them to find this, they call them the chosen one, who then they have to um, connect with, and like, okay, who can, you, and, and it was hysterical, because the episode we just saw, somebody's mother knew the person, which is already, you're getting cliche, um, but the mother comes on, and um, and there's no light on her camera, and we immediately go to, if you remember the old light bulb jokes. The original light bulb joke, the very first one was how many Jewish mothers does it take to screw in a light bulb. It's okay. I'll sit in the dark.
0: <laughs> that's yeah. it. Yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, um, that's, that's good. And,
1: you know, so guilt in Judaism, I, you know, I have good friends in the Catholic community I work with now who are doing great on a lot of this interface stuff. Guilt in Catholicism, heavy, deep, or eternal damnation. Guilt in Judaism is you haven't called your mother recently. Um, that's it. and and boy, I'm i more concerned about that than than what Catholicism describes as uh, as guilt. So, yes, there is stuff about suffering. No, it's not something that we really discuss. Um, we can we do, but it's it's not on our agenda. Yeah, Our had, agenda is one foot forward. How are you going to take the next step forward? How are you going to make the world a better place? And I don't really want to hear your kvetching, which would be the um, Yiddish word for... Um, whining. complaining, or, whining. Yeah, I
0: don't use the term whining with the last name whiner. I stay way away from that. <laughs> I'm sure that's a joke often. I, oh. um, yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, it's interesting, you know, being a, a waspy male, you know, and, and, and I did a lot of study. In- you said it, not me. I know. Uh, I did a lot of study in my, you know, because I did a a history undergrad, and you know, got to take quite a few classes classes in my Jewish studies department, and just reading kind of the literature um, post Holocaust, Mm -hmm. it's it's not what you it's not what you would expect um, in a lot of ways. And it's not what you would expect. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Well, it's. I, I guess there's certain people that are controlling narratives of. Of how things happened, and how we should view things and the conversation after them, and so I think that 's um, ultimately it 's a conversation where we just need to be you know as peoples not people not members of the community, just need to be listeners and- well and, and i 'll tell you, I grew up in the age where
1: in Sunday school, in all these things. Um, a lot of the narrative we heard was we need to have a successful Jewish community. You need to have Jewish children because we can't let Hitler win. Hitler was dead. um, And it was all about post Holocaust. How do we, um, you know, prove him wrong? How do we how do we beat him? And many of us, my wife is an expert in Jewish education. That's her um, realm. Um, I certainly spend a lot of time in that. We realized that um, that We cannot survive identifying in the negative. Um, If we do not have positive um, embracing theology, ideology, as opposed to negative theology, then we're not going to get anywhere. And, you know, I think we've gotten this far thousands of years with a whole lot of positive and productive. And so, again, that's the area that I prefer to um, spotlight.
0: Yeah, well... I, you know, ultimately I think, and that's, that's a, that's, that's a valid point of view for how we approach, you know, uh, the deep seated racial inequalities that we were talking about before. I mean, ultimately, you know, we, we want positive change and we need to, you know, focus on how do we get things done now? You know, how do we take that next step forward to trying to not, you know, cause we can't completely fix it. Um, you know, just given the state of politics, but what can we do now? Exactly. A concrete step. Exactly. Um, so let's, uh, let's, let's talk about improving the world for a second. So a couple years ago, there was, um, an incident that happened, um, at your temple. Uh, and there was some, uh, was it part of your sign was taken down, uh, yeah, the, yeah. the word, the word Israel. Yeah. Um, so can you just talk a little bit about what happened? And I, I want to kind of use that as a lead into talking about, uh, education uh, right. in anti-Semitism. So to be
1: fair, what happened was Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the the congregation there was attacked and, and, um, and people were um, horrifyingly killed. Another horrible anti-Semitic incident. And if you look at FBI statistics, and this was shocking to me because I was surprised that um, more than 50% of hate crimes in America are anti-Semitic. Um, really? I, I did not think we were winning that one. And that's not a statistic you want to win in. Um, so we had decided to do a solidarity service um, in response to the attack in Pittsburgh. Um, and it was one of the most powerful things I have ever experienced. Um, the multi-faith um, participation, people of faith, people of no faith, people, um, people who just wanted to come out and be there, um, out the doors that we didn't fit. And it was powerful and amazing. And later that evening was when someone ripped the word Israel off of our sign. Um, and, you know, it, I I think that's a small, um, uh, um, gutless thing to do. Um, uh, but the, the response was... As I would expect from the community here I- immense you know we had already had this huge response in 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 reacting to what went on in Pittsburgh, where all the people came out and then just as many people um, showed support and were with us um, through the the investigation of this and and ultimately um, uh, they never caught anyone, which is fine um, but uh uh but there was there was continual support and it's part of you know we stand with each other because um when when the black lives matter um uh um not revolt uprising those seem negative when when the outpouring of support and and for black lives matter happened recently i was feeling a little self-conscious when i was reaching out to one of my black pastor buddies um And his response was, um, no, you're always there. The ones that bothered them were the ones who never called before. Um, So, you know, I've got my my pastor and uh, imam and and other religious buddies who we've all been working together. So it doesn't feel like opportunistic um, when, when something comes up and we reach out to each other. Um, and honestly, you know, after the attack in Pittsburgh, um, nobody reached out to the Jewish community from the city. What, you know, one person, one legislator reached out to us. And then when we said we were going to do a service in response to um, Pittsburgh, then a bunch of people responded, but only one legislator reached out, um, originally, but lots, lots of interfaith leaders did because we already have a relationship and that's really where to start. People have asked me, Jews have asked me, well, how do, you, how do you get connected to the black community? Well, you go sit in church. Because yeah. <laughs> honest, honestly, no offense to my, my WASP parents, but um, the music is so much better. Oh, <laughs> you absolutely. Have, you have to go south of Shaw. Oh, absolutely. Now, now you can just zoom in. So this Sunday, when you know, in the wake of, of um, the icon, John Lewis's death... Yeah. Um, I wanted to be in church, so I went to church. I went to Westside Church of God, where Pastor Binion is, first of all, just listening to his voice. Oh, my God. He, <laughs> you know, I love listening to his voice. And then I go to St. Rest, where my brother, um, Pastor DJ Kreiner, um, is the pastor, and, uh, and, and I just like to be with them. Now, the theological message— is different, but the but what we're working for is the same. The way I think about it is, um, the message may be different, but the heart of the message is the same.
0: Yeah. Well, so um, we you ended so positively. I don't. I, I feel bad going back to anti-Semitism, but I'm going to go there because I'm I'm like a bulldog for what I want. Uh, so do, I mean, do you see that? Because, uh, I mean, we're all taught in school about the Holocaust and Nazis, and but that's kind of it. I, I almost feel like it's treated in some ways in history classrooms as kind of like a, a sudden blip in history versus something that is a continuous pattern of right. very targeted violence. Um, I mean, we don't, you know, kids don't leave history classrooms with the word pogrom in their dictionary. Um, and that's just, you know... I don't know if that's an anti-Semitic thing within the curriculum, but I feel like people don't really understand in a lot of ways. So do you think it's an education problem or do you think it's something else?
1: Yes, yes. And how much time do you have? You know, because at the same time here in California, you know, I grew up doing the mission projects um, and now we realize, oh, dang, um, a whole population of an indigenous people have been wiped out their culture destroyed. Mm -hmm. Um, So the native people of, of this land we call America Um, have been dumped on. Um, The African-American community has not had their story properly told. Um, And yeah, the Jewish community is part of that as well. And here in in Fresno, add to that, like the attacks on the the Sikh community and the Muslim community and the people who attack um, one group thinking it's another group because they are just so ignorant. I'm censoring my language as we talk. Um, sure. uh, um, so I, 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 with the limited time we have available... I realize I dropped
0: a nuclear bomb. You know, no, no. And it, I'm
1: talking about the education system. Yeah, yeah. With the limited time we have available in the education system, how do we um, effectively uh get past, hate. one of the things that I really love doing, and we do this a lot, um, whenever we have the opportunity, um, is either school groups will come to the temple um, where I'll speak to them, or I will go to schools. Um, I go to Fresno State and lecture um, Fresno Pacific. I've been to high schools and elementary schools and whatever. I will go um Uh, I have not yet been to a middle school. Is that you teach in a middle
0: school? I teach in a middle school, yeah. yeah.
1: Now, particularly, I'm part of a group of of, um, uh, clergy who believe very heavily in church-state separation. So whenever we are in the school system, it's very important to us. We don't ever preach. We are not ever trying to um, uh, convince someone that we have the right way. And I don't actually believe that. That's not my belief, that I have the right way and it makes somebody else's way wrong. Um, so I'm very careful to educate about religion, and specifically mine, but I have a religious studies degree, and so I, I'm, I'm pretty well versed in a lot of um, um, how religion works and other religions. Um, and so it's a start, but the first thing I want to do is show them what they think a Jew or a rabbi is or looks like is not what they were expecting. And again, growing up in California, uh, we had the image of Jew. You know, you go see Fiddler on the Roof. Oh, my God, that's not me. You see a Woody Allen movie, which we don't want to watch for a whole lot of reasons now. (laughs) Yeah. Um, uh, um, And you realize that's not me. Um, And, uh, and, and so, you know, within the Jewish community, it's important, or or looking at the Jewish community from outside, it's really important to understand that Jews like here in California or Fresno, are like everyone else, we come in all different um, flavors, colors, and, and all of that. Uh, And beliefs. It's a wide spectrum of belief or not belief within the Jewish community. And and if I can judge that for myself, if I can look at the Jewish community and say we are all over the map, then I ought to um, then connect that to any other community. So when I meet someone from another cultural or religious community, um, I I hope that um, I can translate that they're all different as well and you cannot never categorize or generalize. So in, in, yes, it's an education thing, partly, but it's also a getting to know people because when you, um, I can talk about it, but then you know, you've had my good friend Reza on and people are shocked when they see us together, especially with our third brother, Pastor um, Kreiner, who is big and black um, and beautiful. And uh and the three of us um I, I one of the most powerful images I've experienced in my life, not only from that service that um I know Reza spoke about when I asked them to hold the Torah scroll, but before that, months before that, I don't remember the time relation, but you know, we were working on some project marching through The Capitol Rotunda in Sacramento, the three of us, arm-in-arm singing This Little Light of Mine, reverberating through the rotunda, wow. I mean, growing up, my image of religion, fortunately, was um, Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel, a great theologian, marching with Dr. King. And I errantly thought, like a lot of white people, that the civil rights marching days were over. And yeah, I wanted to be in religious leadership. That was an image to me. That was an iconic image, but it was the opportunities for that were gone. Oh my God, were we wrong? Uh, The black community knew we were not wrong because they knew that the promissory note was never delivered. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, to go back to... uh, Um, Congressman Lewis, there was still plenty of need and opportunity for good trouble. And boy, the three of us, Pastor Kreiner, Reza, and I love making good trouble. Um, And it's interesting, I've been learning how much of a wonderful sense of humor Representative Lewis had. And again, when I'm with my interfaith colleagues, we laugh we have a great time, and then we go yell at the politicians because the politicians have to play those bureaucratic games. We get to yell at them and then help everybody because it's not about us. It's about the the person on the street with a vote who needs to get to the ballot box, or even if they don't have a vote, they can scream and yell and make a difference, and it's our job to help lift them up.
0: Yeah, and I think, I think what you're saying is true. It's, a, it's really when you get to know people. I mean, I think that's what... Um, what they say is really ultimately, uh, at least when it comes to LGBTQ stuff, it was who, you know, uh, in that community that really helped people change their minds about right. certain things. Um, and I, you know, and there's only so much a textbook can do. Um, but I, you know, my, my personal hypothesis is that the kind of the diaspora element of the history of Judaism is, is in part why it's overlooked sometimes, I think, because I think a lot of our history is based around nations and states and kings and rulers and stuff. And anyway, that's a whole different, that's a whole. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) We don't don't need to do the history curriculum subject. Well,
1: and, 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 and do we feel like we're living in exile? And most American Jews I know do not have that feeling. Um, You know, we love living in America. Most of us have some kind of feeling connection to Israel. I've spent a lot of time there. I love it. It's also politically troubling and challenging because again, those of us who believe in civil rights, and such know that the Palestinian population is not being treated well. And, and we are not satisfied until there is an equitable solution there just as you know, we look around America and know that this um, this perfect ideal is not yet perfectly realized um and and israel is based on a on a great um concept as well that is not perfectly realized by any stretch of the means and neither is america i mean anyone who looks around today and says we're perfect yeah um their eyes are closed
0: yeah i completely agree and i speaking of eyes closed i um i kind of want to talk about you know because i mean in, in many ways uh fresno is kind of the bible belt um and there are there are certain understandings of judaism that like maybe aren't accurate to what uh the way a practicing uh, modern day jew lives and so i just wanted to you know for people that are listening that maybe don't interact with jews all that much or don't really have a sense in there maybe their understanding is very limited based on what their pastor has said about the Jews that Jesus was talking to in Matthew or something. And that's their, that's their entire scope. What are, what do you feel like are some of the most common things that people misunderstand uh, about your tradition today?
1: Well, before we started recording, you were mentioning Pharisees. in Yeah, Pharisee yeah thing that, thing. that's, and, yeah, that's a and, big one. And it, it's interesting how much I hear that outside of the Jewish community. Growing up Jewish, I did, I, I, didn't really know the word. It's not something that we know anything about. I mean, I understand now what they're talking about. They're talking about what uh, eventually evolved into rabbinic Judaism. Um, And it's... So for those of us who read text, read sacred text, and do do not necessarily believe that every word of it is the... um, uh, direct and unerring word of God, we understand that there are um, things in the text that are um, uh, people's ideas of um, proving their point and um, putting forth their agenda, and there were there were inter-community. St- Uh, troubles that went on, strife that went on back then, and that's reflected in the text. Um, If you were to to watch, you see an incident take place, you watch an incident take place, and if you go on the news the next day and see MSNBC cover it and see Fox News cover it, you're going to think that it was two completely different events. And if you were actually there, You might look at it and say whoa that was not it at all
0: yeah riots versus protests right
1: right now now new testament literature um starts appearing well the gospel literature starts appearing about 30 years after jesus's death at a time where we didn't have cell phone um footage to um to uh, prove whether it was right or not um and then you know paul 's letters are a bit earlier, but they're um uh they're uh not necessarily a hundred percent contemporaneous, and he 's clearly got an agenda um and that 's fine you know that 's his thing and i and and that, but it's not reflecting even what Judaism was then. Fast forward 2,000 years later, the average Jew in California, to be more specific to our locale, is the average Californian. Yeah. Um, the average Jew doesn't go or affiliate with a synagogue, and the ones who do come sometimes and... Uh, The message that I think I connected with is the message that most of them get, which is, if you want to boil it down, Judaism is about making the world a better place. Um, And in fact, um, uh, we have all these rabbinic statements uh, about if if you only have, you know, one piece of Torah, you take the pieces about making the world a better place. Um, I, I listened to the episode with Reza and he quoted, um, me quoting, um, text, uh, uh, about, um, uh, it was Rabbi Hillel who said, what is hateful to you, do not do to another, which is the inverse of the, um, of the golden rule. Yeah. Um, when you think about what, so to, 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 I'm, I'm picking up his thread of that conversation from however many weeks ago and taking it a step further. Um, there are people who, so from a religious standpoint, some people say, well, my tradition is beautiful and I want to share it with you. Um, so I love it and I love you. So I want to, I want to share that love with you.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Oh no, no, thank you. Um, you know, if I were to try to convince you that my religion is right, would you love that or would you hate that? (laughs) That's Um, fair. Okay, so what is hateful to you, do not do to another. You know, I'm happy to learn about your religion, but if you think that I need it, I'm probably not happy to learn about it from you. Um, I will learn about it from my many, many interfaith colleagues who we just have fun sitting, eating together, and uh, and learning from each other. Um, oh, what do you do? Oh, you guys, oh, you know, that's similar to what we do. and And then we just eat. and laugh and have fun uh yeah
0: well yeah and i um i brought it up just just in part because i think you know it's going back to the anti-semitism conversation we had um and you know the you know the message that a lot of christians in the bible belt we live in receive is is something that's just not is just not related in a lot of ways to uh, what is today. And I think, I think, and this is kind of where I wanted to end up, but we can jump there now. Um, so beyond, beyond the uh, Hebrew Bible, what are some places or some reading or some resources uh, for people that are trying to learn about another tradition? Um, I mean, obviously the, the best possible situation is to participate in interfaith uh, dialogue or activities or events or whatever it might be. But are, are there some resources that you would recommend for, you know, someone that's listening to this that just really hasn't thought about it? Cause there's, you know, right. Right. They're not, they're not Jewish people in front of them in Fresno all that often.
1: So there's, there's um, actually one resource that, that I, it just came up for another reason um, that is useful for religion in general, um, including Judaism. It's called how to be a perfect stranger Um, A Guide to Etiquette in Other People's Religious Ceremonies. So you've been invited to a bar mitzvah or you've been invited to a sick wedding or um, a religious ritual in a christening or something like that. And it's got a chapter uh, on a couple dozen different religions and a basic of this is what they believe. This is an appropriate greeting. This is um, uh, what traditional gifts are. Um, This is what to expect. Um, And it's really cool. Um, Beyond that, I mean, there's stuff all over the place. And of course, now you have the web. Um, Reform Judaism is the the major denomination that I'm involved in. It's the most um, populous in America. Um, and it's the most liberal of the major branches religiously. I'm, I'm not getting into the political questions. There may or may not be a correlation. I'm not going there. But yeah. religiously, the most liberal. And so you have, uh, it's, I think it's under like reformjudaism.org now, yeah. um, which uh, has all sorts of questions. I'm developing for our website, but I haven't gotten it yet. Um the I get questions from college students um, when they have their assignment to go to something they're not used to. And I've been cataloging them and I'm going to be putting them up on our website. Stay tuned. I haven't done it yet. Um, and kind so of the all
0: the FAQs they- of Judaism
1: a little bit. Well, extensive, because these are college level questions, you know, what they believe, what you're going to see in the synagogue and all that kind of stuff. Um, I've been working on uh, developing our YouTube page and, of course, our Facebook page where our services are. And, yeah, the services look different than a Christian service um uh cuz there's a lot of Hebrew going on which honestly most of the Jewish community does not understand the Hebrew. People come <laughs> as guests and they're like, "Oh my god, it's all in Hebrew." Well, yeah, and the Jewish guy next to you doesn't understand it either, but if you look at the
0: translation in the book, um you'll see what it means. Um yes. yeah. and it's it is I will admit, you know, as someone so I went to seminary and I studied Greek and Hebrew to read uh the Hebrew Bible and the New Testament. It is hard. It is. It is not something to take lightly, or it's not something that you take a three-unit course on, and you're like, "Okay, I can do this." Uh, at least what I was reading in the Hebrew Bible, uh, some parts of it felt like cavemen speak to me, and I was like, "I, you know, I just, I, I felt like I needed years to be conversant." And that's maybe different than modern Hebrew, but it, it is, it is no small challenge
1: in some ways biblical hebrew is easier um cause okay, it because it has very, that
0: caveman element uh well
1: it, it has a limited lexicon there just aren't that many words right, right um and and its construction is not that difficult english is the worst language when oh, it comes yeah. to building a language um hebrew is not that bad but yes growing up with it makes it easier um, and it 's a completely new language family to us, so when i starting started studying Arabic because I wanted to learn that um uh it was much easier because it 's a sister
0: language yeah Semitic language right is the is the word yeah. for it yeah um so I would recommend everybody i mean you know if, if you 're curious, they can just tune into your uh zoom uh your zoom zoom is
1: harder to get into um
0: uh, like the live or the live i send it
1: to facebook live temple beth israel facebook live and actually the services for the last however many months are all on our page so you can just pull up one um Yeah. And go back to shoot. What was it? Um, it was just a few weeks in, I got my good friend who is one of the most popular singer songwriters in um, contemporary Judaism. Dan Nichols did a service with me from his home in, in North Carolina. And that's just fun and cool and wonderful.
0: Yes. Please go watch that. Thank you for talking to me today. And I, I, um, you know, I I've had my mind change about a lot of things, and not to be superficial or anything, but I'm still coming back to the whole bagel conversation. I can't help it. I just, you know, it's it's been a, uh, you know, there's, you know, I forget the name of the book, but what the uh, there was this book about like scientific resolutions and how they change your paradigm, and like I'm having some paradigm shifting going on, which is always what you hope for from a good conversation. So Perfect. I appreciate it. Um, Thanks for coming on. All right. That was our show. It was awesome to get to hang out with Rick. Uh, He had a lot of insights that I think um, could really help to improve our community um, and build bridges uh, amongst people that maybe don't always understand each other. Um, As always, give us a rating and review. It really helps us to uh, share our podcast further and allow ourselves to reach a bigger audience. Um, And until next time, have a safe week.